Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is how we're starting this episode. We're going to get sued for copyright infringement. Uh, Don't do it. You know I know every... Hey, hey, hey. Okay, so the reason why we started this... you know I know every word. I know. The reason why we are recording starting with that is we just had a moment in the fart studio. Mm -hmm. So you guys know, just a little behind the scenes, it's Monday right now. And those of you who listen often, you know... Our plan is to record on Tuesday, but we usually record on Wednesday. We're recording on Monday. That tells you something happened. Wait, the way that you made that sound sounded like we pushed it all the way to the next no, no, Monday. No, we would, we're, we're recording we're, a day ahead. This is like a back to the future moment. Absolutely. We are in the DeLorean and we're in 1855 yeah, right now. Yeah, normally we would record on Tuesday, but Jason was so excited. Yeah, okay. So you started playing this playlist that you found from Kate Kennedy, whose podcast we both love. You told me about it. It's Just fantastic. Amazing. Uh, so what's the, what was this? playlist called this one is called mismanaging romantic expectations and it's an entire playlist just about like love songs that you sang to probably when you were like you know eight to twelve where you had this like very romanticized view of what love was like yeah and then you found out so it's not really edwin mccain i'll be that's the name of the song yeah Yeah. for those of you who are in our age group this song probably hits like on lots of different levels for you i know even for me like i was trying to think back so we got down this discussion, the song just, and then we just started going about like well, funny because, stuff. Yeah. Because you said, when did you first encounter the song? And yeah. I said, oh, I'll tell you, I downloaded it off of LimeWire <laughs> and I found an instrumental version so that I could learn the words and sing to it by myself in my home before my family came home after school, <laughs> after school. And yeah, you yeah. said, oh my God, we need to record. First of all, that's embarrassing. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't tell people that. <laughs> Second of all, we need to talk about what our after school like Rituals. routines were yeah, because yeah. You listening right now, we know you had it. Okay, so that's okay. yours. I want, yeah, I want you to lay it on me. What What were you doing after school? The one that I remember the most. Yeah. You come home. Yeah. You turn on DuckTales. <laughs> you oh, pull really? a bagel out of whatever device that it was in, the freezer, freezer or the fridge or, or whatever. Uh, Not th- bagel bites, bagel. No, no, a bagel. Oh, a bagel. I would defrost that sucker in the microwave or whatever. I would toast oh, it up. Oh, microwave definitely got yeah. us all through after school. Toast it up, grab the, not the, not the container, but the block of Philadelphia cream cheese. <gasps> and I would just take a knife and just take chunks and just put on there while watching DuckTales, followed by Chippendale Rescue Rangers. This is the after school routine I remember. Oh, wait and a then second. also, How? also. Wait, th- those are cartoons. You were like yeah. little? Yeah, but that was like, I don't know, like 10-ish, probably. Like, I don't know, somewhere around there. You were young enough to watch cartoons, but old enough to be by yourself after school? Uh, my mom was super <laughs> progressive. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. I have no idea at what age my mom let me be by myself in the house. No yeah. clue. Well, this, there's no judgment because we definitely started, we were, what do they call that, latchkey kids? Like, we we were very um, young when my mom, because mom's got to work. Yeah, your last name wasn't latchkey, though, just so you know, right? You know what I mean. <laughs> but we were definitely very young to yeah. be after school. Also, this is our part of the podcast where we do some parenting advice. Leave your kids at home. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, you yeah. guys know how good we are at parenting okay, advice. So that was my after school ritual that I remember. Like okay, I'm sure okay. there were other ones, but it was bagel, oh, yeah, you went cream through cheese, cycles. Yeah. Uh DuckTales, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers. Yeah. And then the one that I, I wanted to add on there was that I usually made Kool-Aid uh, <laughs> yeah. with this delicious oh, yeah. meal that I had, oh, this yeah. healthy meal. And all I remember is like the the plastic one cup measuring cup yep. that was sugar yep. poured into the brown container yep. with the white spinning top that had the little cutouts on it where you could spin it closed or open. Did you yeah. have one of those? Oh, the cutouts, yeah. And you stir it with a wooden spoon with the Kool-Aid mixture. And then I would just, I probably drank the whole thing. Can I tell you, <laughs> I had a actual friend, I'll, I'll name her. Yeah. Callie. Yeah, I won't say up? her last name. What's Callie up, Callie? Lashke. What's up? <laughs> that I like would ask to go over to her house just because her parents made Kool-Aid with more sugar than my mom oh, did. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, this is what Kool-Aid yeah. is supposed to taste yeah. like. Mom, none of this no sugar bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And no. so I went over to their house specifically for the Kool-Aid. Um yeah. okay, can you give me can you give me an after school routine, maybe not cartoons, like you're a little older now? Like what are you doing? Oh no, I blocked that entire part of my okay. childhood out. Well it just occurred to me that my after school routine really revolved around the computer. Oh, I do. I remember another one. Go ahead. Because we were we weren't even like super early on getting a computer. I think we were in middle school when we got our gateway you got a desktop gateway? computer. So you're early. If you got a gateway, you're early. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I if mean, you were a compact kid, you're late. To be honest, compact is late. Compact is late. Okay. Well, yeah. we were gateway. I still remember the Moo Box. That was yeah. great oh, marketing yeah, on sure. their their part. But um, so a lot of that my thing, and then I was like, oh, you were probably already like in college by the time I'm on Instant I was, Messenger. I was writing HTML code in Dreamweaver. Yes, you yeah. were. So okay, I, where do I go first? First, couple <laughs> snack options. Right. I used to make these like little like deli meat roll ups. I would get a tortilla. Yeah. Uh-huh. I would do shredded cheese. We always had shredded freaking cheese in our house. Of course. Okay. Yeah. Like keep it in your house. Yeah. Shredded cheese. And then Which just we wasn't always, cheese, by the way. No, no, no. Yeah. Then we always had some type of like Publix deli meat, like turkey or ham. You put it on the tortilla, you roll it up. Interesting. You put it in the microwave, you melt it. It's like I mean, it's a roll-up. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Or pepperoni. My friend Leah got me on the pepperoni train. Right. Didn't even think of it as a lunch meat until she was like, oh, try pepperoni. Right. Delicious. Yeah. I was like, oh, you mean you can eat pepperoni not on pizza? Yes, you can. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Okay, let's get into my embarrassing activities. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I would get home. I would have the house to myself. This this whole like singing while my family was not home started very early, which yeah. was that I was obsessed with boys to men. And obsessed specifically with I'll Make Love to You, the song, but was very aware at my young age that it had to do with like something called sex. I don't think I really knew what sex was. Uh And so when my parents weren't home, I didn't want them to think I was like, you know, a bad, bad, sex, sex, bad. So I would pop in the cassette Mm -hmm. because my mom had a boys to men cassette. And I would open the, you know how they would keep the lyrics? They would print the out little, the lyrics yeah, the in little, the little pamphlet. Yeah. I would read really small. This and was so your I, after school activity? Yeah, it started okay. young. All right. So that was really young is when I would like learn the words to the songs. But then once I got more sophisticated, I would download uh, pirated music on LimeWire. Yeah. And then I would try to find instrumental versions of all my favorite songs. Right. And I would go on the internet, find lyrics right. to songs because one of the very early areas of population Geocities. on the internet Geocities. was just lyrics. Yeah. Like, like I don't know who was publishing all these lyrics. To Do you songs. know who it was? It was someone like you who read the pamphlet and then put and it then on. typed yeah, it out in Comic Sans on yeah. a website. And then there was a scrolling marquee text yeah. at the top. The most embarrassing part of this, though, is like I don't know why 
I think I just really like to sing. I, I do not have a good voice, like, what? at all. No, you, man. You have such a good voice. <laughs> I can't carry a tune, but I love to sing. It yeah. makes me so happy. And I think I was really embarrassed about my voice because I just couldn't sing as loud as I wanted to where people could hear me. So <laughs> I, <laughs> why did you laugh so hard? That was, a, that was a truthful thing that I just said. <laughs> but what does how loud you want to sing have to do with anything? Any, any volume. <laughs> you just knew that it didn't sound good. So you had to keep it at like a lower volume because you knew it sounded bad. <laughs> I think Why are you laughing? That's real. That's a factual statement. I'm picturing someone going on American what? Idol and them singing like super, like really low. Well, no, they and wouldn't. Paula Abdul saying, <laughs> we learned the recent that she pronounces her name Abdul, which just completely rocked our worlds. Paula Abdul, Paula Abdul, but they're really low and they're like, oh, can you sing a little yeah, louder? The and they're is- like, no. The point is they wouldn't go on American right. Idol because they can't sing because they are me. You have a tear streaming down your face. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah. I don't know why you laugh so hard at that. That was, that was, that was a factual statement. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want people to hear me sing. Right. So I sang by myself. Sing by yourself quietly. Quietly. Yeah. No, but. So well, you would just be like. No, but. You would just be like. No, I would sing loudly to myself. Oh, you would sing loudly to yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time. This is amazing. And so another key part of this was that I would be doing this while being on AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah. And that was my routine. I would just come home every day. I would hop in like on the computer. Yep. Go on Instant Messenger for hours. And I would just sing Putting my little heart out. Putting up messages that were like yeah. too suggestive. Yeah. Hazel oh, Fox. Oh, by the way, one time I put up a message about something about hopping in the shower. But mm. I it was a little too suggestive for yeah. my mom's liking. Yeah. I think it was probably like headed to the shower. And then it was like a winky face or something. And my mom was like, <laughs> um, can we talk about why we're doing suggestive things, telling people we're going in the shower? Let's not do that. And I was like, oh, good point. Don't leave your kids at home. Okay. Uh, if you guys had any really funny after school rituals or routines that you want to share with us, DM us on Instagram at wanderingamefully or hello at wanderingamefully.com. These are always like I our favorite hear, messages. You guys, that was a real trust tree moment of me telling you about my <laughs> secret singing. So if anyone just wants to be vulnerable, write back and so give good. me some of your activities. So That'd be great. Uh, all right, let's get into these questions. We got uh, a couple weeks ago, we threw up a little question sticker on Instagram. We we're like, oh, let's just do a little a couple we- business questions during our Wandering Amphi launch, which is going on right now. And we were going to record this episode at this exact time and have these questions ready. Yeah. And I was just thinking, it's funny because we, I always forget, we do Q and A's every monthly coaching session Yes, for like half an hour to an hour at the end of our coaching session. We always do Q and A's and I forget that we don't do them on the podcast that often. And so this was a reminder to try and do that. So we got a lot of good questions. Let's just get started. Let's do it. Let's blaze through. So Danielle asks, um, I won't go into her full message, but basically she's building a SaaS app as well, well software, software as yeah. a service app, um, like Teatree is for us. If you've been listening before this episode, you know we have another business, not just our coaching business, where we created a course platform. So it's a software business. And she said, basically asked, like, are there things that you would do differently if you were going back from the beginning and starting Teatree? So kind of like, what are those early mistakes with the software as a service? Um, you know, if you're not expecting to create a software app maybe fast forward through this answer no don't tell them to fast forward well, no, i just gonna skip the good stuff no i know i just want to be mindful that it doesn't apply to everyone but um right don't tell them to fast forward just tell them to speed us up 
Just like go to 3x and then you'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine. I'll slow yeah. back down. So, but I do think some people out there are interested in creating another revenue stream and creating yeah. like a little software business. So, well, I think, yeah, we've done two episodes on Tea Tree in the past like 20 episodes. So, if you want some more on Tea Tree, you could go listen to those. Uh, she asked a bunch of really good questions that were like very pointed about building a SaaS application. So, yep. we might do a full episode. So, how I'll actually gauge that is if you guys want us to do a full episode with like a lot more like how to run a software company Just to give you some ideas. Some of her things were what to prioritize with a self-funded monthly subscription product, UX design, new features, marketing, all of the yeah. above. How's pricing changed, pricing strategies yeah. for beta users, etc. Yeah. Um, could you do some scooching for me? You're already dropping dip low below, <laughs> below the mic here. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Team scoochies. Uh, so I think the going to her specific question, like I said, if you guys want more, let us know and we'll do a full episode where we can like, get into some nitty gritty of this. But I think the one thing that I would go back to and do differently with Tea Tree is probably just create a more robust, here's how to best use Tea Tree when you're getting started. Hmm. Because I think that, I mean, even now, like we could do such a better job of that. And mm -hmm. Tea Tree's been around, this is our going on seventh year of Tea Tree existing. And there are people who are Tea Tree users, shout out Kim White, like she is teaching Tea Tree better than we are. Yeah. And I think that the, the reason that happens is because you only have so much time to work on something. Yeah. And the things that keep customers excited about Tea Tree, the things that we have hours to spend on Tea Tree, they're not the pe teaching people how to best use Tea Tree because we actually already have enough customers for what we want to do with a software application that we're not always trying to worry about customer acquisition. Right. So I'm not even in the thinking mode of like, how can I best teach a brand new person how to get the maximum value out of using teachers to sell their courses? Should I be doing that? Probably. Mm -hmm. But even from the beginning, I think I've just always done a really bad job of that. So I think going back, like if I was starting a software application now, one of the first things I would do is build the like, Tea Tree University, right, the, where it the walks you through product education. Exactly. And what I would probably do to have that work the best is pick one of your power users yeah. and have them either do that with you or just get a bunch of information from them so that you can learn. Yeah. Interview them or even pay them and like yeah, collaborate. Like, absolutely. You know, so I, th I think that's one of the, like the, the biggest things that I've seen from Tea Tree that we just could have done so much better and could still do so much better is just really giving people an in-depth on how to best use Tea Tree and the tips, the tricks, the things you don't know and can't figure out. And then just make sure that they're off on a good foot to start because it's going to help them use the platform as yeah. best they possibly can. One thing looking at it from afar, because I obviously didn't really join Tea Tree until a year ago. One thing I think you did do really well, which is just like staying lean. Like I'm somebody who... I definitely have more of a perfectionist mindset when it comes to like software and design and wanting things to look perfect. And you were so hyper-focused on function, yeah. not the way that it looks. Yeah. Like you were like, if this works the way, if this solves a real problem, people will overlook the way that it looks in order to use it. Well, and the funny thing about that is I love design. Like I care about no, design. No, I'm I know. a designer this... first. But I just mean like in a software application – Almost the first thing that has to give is good design right. for starting. Right. Later on, that's why six years into it, we then put a whole layer of design on top right. of it. But I think that's super important to note because I think that's something that really helped you 
stay lean and focus on the function and grow because people were doing the I mean, maybe maybe we could have grown faster had the the design been like really slick or whatever, but it would have cost so much more oh, to absolutely. make that happen. Yeah. So the fact that you were able to grow so steadily mm-hmm. and just focused on function, which I think if you're running a side business as a software, you are probably have an expectation of just very slow and steady growth. Yeah. Focusing on that function over form is probably smart. Yeah. And I think the kind of last thing that I would say to someone like Danielle is just be really open to a lot of experiments. So like we did a free plan with tea tree early on and we kicked that to the curb so quickly because we just realized it was not worth it to take care of free customers Mm -hmm. and the amount of customer support that they want versus a customer is willing to pay $49 per month. It's a vast difference Mm -hmm. and you're spending all this time on someone for free to get what out of it. Like you, even if they become brand advocates, most of the time, the people who are free customers, they don't have an audience to share anybody with who are also business owners. Like it just is not the nature of the beast. So it's just things like that, like being really open to testing pricing and different like ways that people get on board. Uh, just, you know, I would just say as much of that as possible, which we did a lot of early on. Great. Good question. Good question. I really like this next one. This is from Katie Z and she says, what season of business do you feel that you're in right now? Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one because I think there are some clear seasons for us. Oh yeah, throughout the year. Yeah, and oh, I I okay, sure. Throughout the year, I yeah. I kind of think of seasons in business more as years. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like you're yeah, al- sure. you're always in like like okay, this year is the year where we were experimenting a ton. This yeah. is the year where we were just surviving because of my anxiety. Like, what were those those different segments? Yeah. But you can talk about like seasons within those years if yeah, that's think, how you think about it yeah well i'll do the i'll do the like how we kind of break up a year into different seasons of oh, work yeah. okay and then if you want to do the like zoomed out level of yeah. where we are yeah so do you want to go first you want sure. me to go first so zooming the lens out year over year i feel definitely like we are in a season of kind of calm business yeah where what i mean by that is sort of maintaining steady slow but steady growth so there have been years where we really needed to drum up revenue where we really needed to experiment and get scrappy to try to get more um members there were years where we weren't even super clear on our offer and so we were trying to navigate around and try different permutations of our different skill set to find the offer but once we found you know Wame as an offer, as a coaching program. I think that's when we really hit our stride is when we kind of finally got to the place where we said, okay, we're business coaches. That's what we help people do. That's when we really nailed down the offer. And then we have just been optimizing kind of the sales process, but in a way that's not very growth-minded, on, honestly. Yep. Like we are so much more, I mean, it also just lined up very well with the pandemic because that was a lot of stress. And it was a lot of uncertainty. And so we kind of shifted into this space of allowing ourselves not to put too, too much pressure on growing, but to just sort of like stay the course. I yeah. would say that's what season of business run right now is stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, it's funny because behind the scenes, we have a lot of conversations that are like, oh, should we invest more time in growing, you know, this, this, and this, and then trying to grow our revenue so that we can, you know, have more revenue 
and not have to work as long or whatever. Yeah. But every time we have that conversation, we're like, but we know what that takes. It takes a lot more work. It takes a lot more time. It takes a lot more energy and we're just not willing to invest that. And, and so, yeah, I think right now we are definitely in the like calm business mindset, especially because last year, even with the pandemic, we completely redid tea tree, which was so much work. It was, I, it was so much work. Yeah. It's an unbelievable amount of work. And on top of that, we did a monthly coaching session. We did our two launches with Wayne. We built three new products last year for Wayne. Like we did a lot. Yeah. So there was still a lot that got done. So yeah, I think this year we're definitely leaning into calm ease, even in the products that we're building for Wayne. Like we have the, we talked about the notion starter pack at the beginning of this episode. There's, for our fall product that we'll build, it's not going to be something that's like crazy intense because the roadmap and the wandering infinitely robot coaching that we did last fall, that was intense and we don't need to build something that big. So I also think part of what allows us to be at this kind of like calm maintaining stage also is that for the past two years, we've really invested on in processes. Yeah. So like heavily investing in what's our planning process we we never used to have a plan we used to just kind of fly by the seat of our pants look at a date a month in the future and say let's do a sales window sit down come up with a marketing idea try to bust it out in three weeks like that was that over and over and over again and finally we've reached this place where we now you know are evaluating things on a quarterly monthly weekly and sometimes daily basis yeah, absolutely and we're just running through those cycles all the time which means that things never pile up yeah. it never gets overwhelming because you're constantly evaluating and going oh yeah i i know what we're doing three months from now like i know i know what we need to be working on and we just have good processes for those things and then yeah. of course also we've hit our stride in terms of how we work together as a team yeah which is helpful so yeah um, so the other part of this equation, so that's kind of like where we are in this season of business from a big picture, Yeah, breaking it down across a year, kind of how we think about things. And this might change in 2022 if we end up moving to Europe and traveling for a year, like we want to, you know, COVID permitting. Um, but right now for this year, it's basically like January and February were build a new product, keep up with coaching, kind of like use the momentum of the new year to get excited for our spring enrollment, which is what we're in right now. And then March becomes the month of like, we're in our launch, but our launch is pretty relaxed. Like we get everything done ahead of time. We've learned from so many of these that we just have to do better. And the processes really help with that. And what's going to be really interesting is as we move into like April, May, June, July, those are going to be pretty easy months for us just in the fact of, we don't, we're not going to have a ton of things to do. Well, yeah, I, the way that I kind of see it is you're right. It's, it's a, it's a lot more relaxed those months, but that's sort of like our heads down building other stuff. So that's what I was just going to say. Exactly. So like to me, those months are seed planting months. See, totally. So from the outside looking in, you may be like, they're not what doing are they anything. Doing? Like they're kind of quiet on social. Yeah. Like I'm not hearing that much, but it's behind the scenes. We're doing things that are mm-hmm. setting us up for like six months or a year from now. Totally. And we'll share more about that because, uh, we have our inspiration squared project, which we want to do like a full series on as we work through it. Uh, so that, that kind of gets us toward the end of summer. And also we just want to enjoy summer. So it's going to yeah, be, we, we love typically, yeah. When summer hits, like we love spending time by the, our little, uh, side yard oasis. Side yard oasis. We have a stock tank pool. We just like enjoy enjoying, um, like Jason said, you know, planting all those seeds and then coming off of the launch, like just enjoying the space that we've created for ourselves yep. instead of just go, go, go all the time. And that's also how we protect ourselves from burnout. Yep. And then in the the fall, so like 
August, September, we'll be working on a new product for our fall launch, which will be end of September, October-ish. And then, yeah, I think we already planned it. I think it's September. I don't know the dates off the top yeah. of my head, but uh, heads and, up. Yeah, and yeah, get ready. <laughs> I mean, it's open right now as of recording, but buy it twice, you know what I mean? Um, but then, you know, come November, December, we really just wind down completely. So yep. our goal is, and that really is supposed to be like wind down time, not working much at all, just kind of like keeping everything afloat, customer service stuff, keeping up with coaching. And then, you know, so next year is going to be really interesting to see how that transitions because that's kind of been our working seasonality throughout the yep. year for the past two to three years. So next year, it's probably going to look very different and we'll kind of cross that bridge when we get there. For sure. Great question, Katie. Z. Yep. <clears throat> who's who's a Waymer, by the way? We love you, Katie. Um, Katie also had a question that said, is there past business advice you'd want to revise or when do you know when the course correct when to course correct on popular business advice around you? <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, I'd like to touch on some popular business advice that we go against, which I think is very clear in how we sell things. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, our good friend Michelle Rohr, who is a, also a Wandering Infinity member, she mentioned this in a video that she sent out to her people. That one of the things she loves about Wandering Infinity is that we don't try and lock someone in to pay us forever every single month. Mm -hmm. And this is like, you know, the core of most businesses is especially like membership communities and all these other things is like lock people into a price mm -hmm. and then just have increased their lifetime value as much as possible. Yeah. So it's, you know, get them into a mastermind group, get them into a up level coaching. And it's not that we necessarily think these are bad things that people do, but just for us, we love the idea of you eventually stop paying us and you continue to get value because no one else does that. Absolutely. And what we've learned over the years of selling what is basically a lifetime membership to our stuff is that we're always going to have a new crop of customers. We're always going to want to bring new people into the membership. So it actually like refreshes our business to have these people. So it, it can make sense for us to have people's payments end and to have new people pick up payments. And that keeps our recurring revenue right around this number, which we've talked about in other sessions, but it's right around like $20,000 a month for wanting Infly. And that's a perfectly enough number for us to stay at. Yeah. And I just think that the popular thing in the online business space, especially in running like a membership maximize, community, squeeze every dollar, get them to you. you you're get leaving them money in, on the table. You get them with the tripwire, then you hit them with this. And it's just like, it's up this ladder. <laughs> and then you don't dodge them, you ram them. You don't dodge them. <laughs> That's a callback from a previous episode yeah. in case you're like, what? Yeah. Um. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a good kind of tip for someone is like, look at what your offer is and what's the thing about it that is going to not just like go above and beyond what other other similar offers like that aren't willing to do but that's what i mean like what are you willing to do that people aren't willing to do yeah um and then that's a way that you can really build in differentiation into your offer and we like, just love like over delivering it's yeah. our favorite thing when people are like wait what and i think the difference too is like Yes, there are operating costs to running Wandering Aimfully and running the membership community and the time that we invest in all of that, but they're not exactly like hard costs like they are for Tea Tree. Like right. we have to pay Heroku to keep Tea Tree up. Right. We have to pay Intercom for you know for all these different things. But like for Wandering Aimfully, we could essentially wind down every recurring business expense for that business. And it's all just a bunch of digital stuff that people can get access to. So it doesn't have to be that someone pays a monthly thing for access because we have these hard costs. Like, yes, we have costs, but it's just very different. And yeah. so I think that that's part of the thing that people get 
there's this like popular thing of like get people hooked on monthly recurring revenue. It's so great. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. And then also very practically, we we found very early on because we did try the never ending membership pay every month model. And we found that like when people don't know that there is an end date, it's they very quickly kind of the luster wears off and they start to take your membership for granted because they just they have different, um, you know, they move on. Basically, they're just like, oh, and then they churn out. Yeah. But it was so interesting how the psychology changed when we said, oh, no, this is a program and you just are going to – there's a finite date. You're going to pay for 20 months. And the way that that changed the psychology to value the membership more instead of letting it just kind of drift off into oblivion is so interesting to me. Like, yeah. But there's definitely something psychological there. So Was it this question where we wanted to talk about the automation yes. thing? Yes. Okay. So the first part of our question said, is there past business advice you would want to revise? Mm. And – the thing that this made me think of is we went through a season of business where we really thought, and we were listening to, you know, business people around us advice, experts, experts, air quotes. We really thought that the way to reach the next level for us was just this magical thing called automation. And if we could just set up enough email sequences and things running behind the scenes that, and this was also, by the way, at the time we had, we had done buy our future, but we had multiple products and yep. courses and we were getting very overwhelmed with when to do these sales windows for selling different things. And so this shiny thing called automation came around and said, Hey, if you set up your email service correctly, tagging people, knowing where, what list they came from, et cetera, you could just have like a newsletter that runs in the background. You could yep. just have some type of automation that knows when somebody has opened x amount of emails and then pitches them based on what product it was so fancy and also the biggest expense we've ever yes invested so i'm getting there so we thought this is like the next level for us yeah and and this is what's going to take our revenue to the next level and also it's going to have us not be overwhelmed and so we paid an expert quote unquote yes i mean i think like unequivocally they are an expert like they were very knowledgeable but what I wanted to say was, and like I don't, I don't think that that was a waste of money. Well, I, let's say how much we spent. It was five thousand dollars yep. to pay this person, and that's the most we've ever paid anybody yep. who's not like a developer or to else. help us set up all of these very complex automations. And that was a lot of money for us too. It was. Oh yeah, yeah. we definitely. That, that was, would still be a lot of money for us. Yeah, right that now. was that was a huge business expense. But we just really thought, oh, we're going to make this investment and we're going to make that money back easy, you yeah. know. Um, and the thing I want to say about that is. That works for some people, but I think it distracted us from like what our zone of genius is. And I think we did what a lot of people do and what we see a lot of people do was we pinned all of our, we, we believed that, that in the silver bullet. Yeah. And the thing that you have to realize, dear listener, there is no silver bullet. Yeah. Anytime you catch yourself thinking this is the silver bullet, it's not. Yeah. Even for our program, our program is not a silver bullet. It can get it can get you so many different resources for you to do the work and for you to you know have a lot more strategies at your disposal to keep you focused to keep give you more clarity. It can do all those things, but none of it is just going to be a magic wand over your business where suddenly you're making a bunch of money super easily. Yeah, I think the thing. How did Katie phrase this question? Is there past business advice you would want to revise? Yeah, I think this. I think notion, she kind of meant like advice you've told other people, but yeah, I mean, I think we've fallen into this trap of trying to tell people too, like 
you know, you can automate like all these different things. And and I think now we've really like circled back around and I was just like, I just don't know that you can. Like, I, I think you can automate a lot of it. And I think you can get really good at like repeating processes and getting a good system in place. But I just, I don't know. For us, we've never found the set it and forget it business thing where you just put in X amount of money, you churn out X amount of money and you just repeat that and you don't have to do anything. Yeah. And I think we've looked for that. We've tried to spend money on that. We've hired the experts to do it and it just has never paid off. And I think the thing that we keep coming back to, and this is what we tell all of our members is just like, just be consistent. Yeah. Put out valuable content, treat your customers with as much respect as you possibly can have a good product that actually helps someone figure out who it is specifically you can help and just find more of those people and be okay with that going slower than you probably want. Yeah. And it's the most, I'm sorry, it's the most, we give the most boring business <laughs> advice ever, but it's it, unboring coaches that give boring advice, yeah, but it's just, it's real. And it's not the like $5,000 slick, like track all their emails and send them all these th offers and build their lifetime value and all that. Yeah, it's not that. And you know what? We tried that and it didn't work. Well, and the kind of what I was trying to touch on before is that it, it doesn't work for us because we are people who need to feel engaged in our business. We are people who actually derive a ton of value from interacting with our customers, yeah. from knowing their needs, from doing stuff manually because it keeps our, our boots on the ground in our business. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get to the place where I'm just like sitting high in my tower and like jetting off to Mexico. Remember travel? Oh, man. I don't want that yeah. because it's just, it takes the fun out of it for me. Um, so I wish that we wouldn't have bought into the, the notion that that was like the next level. Right. The, there is no next level for every single person. There's only your next level. Yeah. What's the next level for you? Yeah. And, and for I, us, actually, the next level was being more consistent. It was doubling down on the stuff we were already doing. Yeah. And I, I think this goes back to, to the episode we recorded about like finding your purpose. And I don't remember what number it was, but it was within the last, like, I think 20 or 30 episodes. But just this idea that we have discovered that we just love waking up every day and feeling like we're supporting this community of customers, both in Tea Tree and Wandering Aimfully, and helping them build their businesses in a way that feels true to them. And not trying to figure out this like super automated slick funnel thing that we just don't have to touch. Like that's just not us. Like we're not interested. And if you want to do that, that's fine, but it's just not us. Yeah. Like, that wouldn't give us purpose every day. And there's another way. Like I think we're... Hello. Hello, neighbor. Neighbors just banging on the wall. I think we are proof that actually you can run a very profitable business and still do it yourself yeah. and still have your hands and everything. But yeah, all right. Um, okay, great this, questions. This is another Katie question, but I'm just going down the list here. But I like Was this one that we'd already talked about. Yeah. Well, let's skip Katie. We'll come back to Katie. Okay, fine. I mean, give Katie a break. She's okay, probably great. over there listening to the podcast. Like, guys, come on, jeez. <laughs> she had three. Get to some other people. She had three great questions. Okay, fine. We'll skip Katie for a second and we'll go to Kate. <laughs> all right, <laughs> big change. Um, Kate said, do you have any tips on balancing working on your business and then doing client work? So she's really struggling to find the time to work on her marketing bridges and products and then stuff, um, and stuff that's not for clients. Yeah. And I think this is a, something that a lot of people struggle with and a really great question. So many people, especially those of you guys who are service providers and you have clients find themselves every hour in their business is spent working on client projects. And then they find themselves like never being able to find the time to, get more clients and, and kind of, um, or bolster. transition or transition. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for the very simple answer here, and it's not a simple answer, but it's one word is prioritization. Uh, yeah. And time blocking. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like, 
you have to carve out the time and you have to make it a priority. Otherwise, it will never get done. Yeah. Whether that's getting more clients, whether that's building your digital product so that you can move out of having clients. And unfortunately, it's not easy. And, and there's no simple way to do that. And I think the things that have been really effective for us are what you just mentioned, like time blocking is one. And the most practical advice that I can give you piggybacking off of what Jason said about prioritization is whatever you are trying to integrate more of in your life or business. So in your case, that would be, you know, working on your business versus client projects, but you can apply this to every aspect of life. Put that on your calendar first. This is the magic key here. You guys put that on your calendar first. So if it's me and I'm trying to integrate exercise into my life, I need to plug in my workouts first. If you're trying to do deep work and you want to write a book, plug in your writing time on your calendar first. Uh, If you're trying to cultivate relationships, plug in your social engagement first, like whatever you're trying to prioritize in your life, block that off first, because that needs everything else needs to fill in around that. Yeah. And so the funny thing that happens when you do that. So let's say you're like, okay, I need to finally get these marketing bridges done. I'm going to block off Mondays first, just for my business. Then I have to fill in my client projects around that. It makes your client work more efficient. Because you suddenly have this like smaller container to fit everything else into. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, I think there's something to be said for uh, A, block off time each day. So it's like if you only have 30 minutes, you can invest in your like whatever your transition out of client work is or just getting more clients. Have 30 minutes of the first thing like you just said. Mm -hmm. The other thing, if you're the type of person where switching costs are really hard for you make one day per week mm-hmm. about your other thing. Mm-hmm. and Or and, every other week. Like, or whatever you know. it is. And, and just find that you have one day, it's like marketing Mondays or whatever, or you know, find more clients Fridays, like whatever that thing is, and then devote that one time slot every week. And it's the same thing. You're gonna shrink your time that you can work on everything else, but that really is the only way that you can do it. And it's really a personal thing about how many hours you have to work, how many clients you have to have, like all those different things. Only you know that. But find the time, make the time, and don't just think you have to like work seven more hours in a day. No, just work the same amount of hours, but work less on one thing and apply it to other. And then maybe extend your runway for when that has to happen as well. So it's like, I want to get my digital product launch. I want to get out of client work. I want to do that the next month. Maybe that's not realistic. Maybe six months is more realistic, but that also gives you a longer runway to figure it out and to chip away at it. Great. Thanks for the question, Katie, not Kate, not Kate, Katie. Not, Kate, not Katie. Yeah. Um, Sarah asked, what types of business metrics do you track that help you make big decisions, especially when it can be super easy to let emotions take over the driver's seat? Yeah. Um, it's funny because I think we have a very simplistic approach very. to tracking metrics. Yeah. Um, and this is going to sound overly simplistic, but I think it's something that people need to actually remember sometimes is like time for money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that is like if we're talking about making decisions about what to put more time into in your business, what offer is you know, should you pursue if you have multiple staring in front of you, which one is bringing you the most amount of money for the least amount of time and then I'll just add in a, a more floaty metric which is for the most amount of enjoyment. Yeah. Like that's our magic magic formula. Least amount of time investment, most amount of revenue, most enjoyment. Yeah, and I think we've definitely been through a diff- couple different like seasons in in business where whether we made more money or we made less money, but you find out that the time relation to those two things they can be very drastic and you can like 
spend a lot of time to make a little bit of money or you can spend a little bit of time to make a lot of money. But if you don't like either, then you don't want to do either. And so it is really about finding that mix of those those things together so that you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm spending an amount of time, but I'm also enjoying that work. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that gets lost on especially folks who move from working for their, uh, a business or working with clients to then owning their own thing and like a digital product business or whatever is to really understand if you don't enjoy that and you have to spend all your time on it, even if it's making you enough money, you're eventually going to burn out of it. And so you really have to find that balance of how it all works. And, and so it is a really interesting way to answer this question where it's not just like, well, we track our unique visitors to our website and then we, you know, like we do that stuff as well, but it really is about spending time on stuff that you enjoy and then removing all the things that you don't and finding out a way to circumvent having to do those things. For sure. And like, I will say, you know, now that I think about it, I'm like, we do track, you know, we track quite a few metrics related to our email list and conversion rates and things like that, but it doesn't really guide our decisions that much. Well, you know why? Because it's already met our enough. Well, exactly. So, So, yeah. So for us, we know that we have a thousand visitors to the Wandering Amphily website per day. We know that of those visitors, about a hundred and something of them convert to our email list every week. So it's not every day. We don't have a 10% email conversion. No one does. It's like 1% or so. So every week we're getting like a hundred and some new email subscribers. We know that as our email list is built and we lose people, we gain people, we hover around 10,000 subscribers. When we send out an email, two to 3,000 people open it. When we sell something over the course of like two weeks, like we are now, we know that two to 3% of people who open it will possibly buy and that's enough. And so all we have to do is make sure we're keeping in that zone. And it's like, I told you, like, I think it was two weeks ago before we started this launch. I was like, my intuition tells me this launch is going to be just like our last launch in numbers. Yeah. Because all the numbers are the same, are the exact same. Yeah. Everything feels the same numbers wise. And I just think we've finally figured out like this is all just enough for us. Yeah. We haven't tried to add more traffic. We haven't tried to squeeze more conversions. We don't do a whole bunch of pop ups and things on our website to get more people. But definitely if you know, if we were trying to let's say we weren't at our enough number yet, we would look at those numbers and we would say, okay, let's let's reverse engineer how many sales or how much money do we need to make? How many sales would that mean that we have to get? How much traffic then do we need to increase by? What can we do in order to do that? How many email subscribers would we need? What can we do to improve that? Like we would really look at every step of that process um, and reverse engineer it that way. Great. Great. Yeah, we would. Don't let me forget to circle back to Katie. I won't. I got her in my mind. Okay. Sherry said... This is our brand child. Yes. Sherry, our brand, <laughs> Sherry, our brand child said, how about um, an episode about being confident in what you charge and knowing when it's okay to work for experience instead of monetary value if you're just starting out? Yeah. And so this is a really hard question to answer because I feel like it's so personal to each person and their own money mindset and, and where they're at on their journey with that because it immediately takes me back to um some my early hand lettering days when I was like super insecure about charging people yeah and I I but I knew I needed to charge people so I would charge them really like forty dollars like low yeah for my time investment um but I I got some work under my belt and that really did help boost my confidence so it's this delicate balance between undercharging so that or charging for free as you said I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you don't have the pieces in your portfolio yeah so like it's this delicate balance between in the early days 
taking on projects, maybe for less money than you would, in order to build your confidence, get some experience under your belt, and then use that experience to, to then leverage up and ask for more money. Yeah. So, But the important thing to note there is just that you are going to eventually ask for more money and have a plan in mind, be intentional about taking on free work. You know what I mean? I got a visual metaphor for you. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, original Donkey Kong, which is little Mario climbing the ladders, jumping over the barrels. Oh, the OG, like arcade. Super original. Mar- arcade Donkey, Donkey Kong's Kong. at the top, throwing barrels yeah, down yeah, the ladders, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, you've got the little hammer you can sometimes swing. You're trying to rescue Peach, who's at the top. Right. So that's your visual, right? You've got these ladders, you're going up these different levels. Donkey Kong at the top is what you know you can charge at like the top of your industry. Mm -hmm. So let's just take a very specific example and let's just say brand design. Sure. So as a brand designer, you know that you can charge a client $10,000. That's your Donkey Kong number. Got it. At the bottom, when you're just a little Mario at the very bottom, you are charging $0. So your goal is to get people to see that you can do this work, right? Right. So as a brand designer, you're going to go make uh, some mock-up brands for friends, family, local businesses, whatever, $0. You're not charging anything. But guess what? You get a couple of those in your portfolio. You feel proud of them. You feel proud of that work. You're moving up a ladder. Yeah. You, hold on. We're gonna. I gotta go in this metaphor. Okay, here. but I have some practical applications to your brilliant metaphor. Do, do they fit with me in between my ladders? You just go ahead. You yeah, really want to finish? Should. it. I think I should. Okay, go so ahead. So people can follow Mario on his journey. Yeah, I'm sure they didn't see where this is going. Go ahead. So they what, Mario. Is it Mario. Goes up the first ladder, and he now is able, or they, <laughs> Don- or she. Is it Donkey Kong or Mario? Mario goes up the ladder. Donkey Kong's just throwing barrels at you. But Donkey the gang Kong? is Don- the game is Donkey Kong. Yeah, but Mario's in it. Yeah, that's always how it's been. Yes. <laughs> hold on. What a revelation. Hold for on. You. Hold. 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 Yeah. Donkey Kong. Yes. That I played. Yes. Is a spinoff of Mario. Well, I think Donkey Kong was actually the original. Mario Whoa. is a spinoff of Donkey Kong. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Donkey Kong was the original. Yeah. Mario was a character in Donkey Kong. Yeah. Can you confirm any of this? I can't right now because I'm talking about my visual Tell your metaphor. metaphor. I'm going to look it up. Okay. So going back to this Donkey Kong, your $10,000 brand design project. At the very bottom, before you climb a ladder, you're doing work for free. You get your portfolio. You're up to the second rung on trying to get to Donkey Kong. This is where you charge. And this is where it's really helpful to think about levels. So maybe you're charging $100 for a project. So you get your first $100 project in. And then guess what? Now you move up the ladder and you charge $500 per project. And if you think about the visual of Donkey Kong the game, you have like six ladders until you get to the top. You don't go up one ladder and go from zero to 10,000. So you ratchet up slowly, you get better. The game maybe gets a little bit harder. It's a little bit more work. But when you get towards the top, you're now feeling that confidence that you can get to the top of this and charge more. So this is why I think this metaphor is really helpful because it gives you the levels to think about where you're not going zero to 10,000. Yeah. Or you're not even going zero to 1,000. You're going, okay, I'm getting started. I just want to make my first $20, but I can't even make $20 until I make $0, which that's okay because I need to hone the skills to do yeah, that. Yeah, I think that's a, actually a really practical exercise for people is write down on a piece of paper, start at the top, what's your Donkey Kong number, pick some increments to work down from that, Yeah, and then ask yourself, like, whatever that lower rung is, do you need some portfolio pieces in order to get someone to pay you that lower rung? Then the answer here. is, yeah, yeah, go do some free work and that's okay. All right, what'd but you learn? do it intentionally. You guys, mind freaking Was I right? alone. Of course you were. Ooh. Donkey Kong first made his appearance in the 19... 19- 
81 arcade machine called Donkey Kong in which he faced Jumpman, yeah. otherwise known as Mario. Yep. This game was also the first appearance of Mario, predating the iconic video game Super Mario Brothers by four years. Yeah. And Mario's first non-Donkey Kong game, Mario Brothers, by two. Isn't that Guys, amazing? what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Talk about really outshining your... Competitor? I always thought... Don I mean, I enjoy Donkey Kong, but I always thought it was like... Guys, he's really upset about my slouching. But guess what? I'm not going to... I'm not. That's why I'm moving the mic so it's not pointing up at your eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So hopefully that was helpful, Sherry, and other people who are trying to figure out how to charge, how to get confidence in charging. Like maybe that metaphor will help you. And go a step further. Draw out your own little Donkey Kong visual ladder that you can climb up and see how you're going to get to these different rungs. Yeah. All right. Two more questions. All right. This one's from Rebecca at Right and Good. And she said, what if everyone wants to hire you for something that you hate doing and not what you love, like consulting? I mean, I can really resonate with this because I got to a point at the end of my I Wear Shirt journey where I was getting plenty of inquiries to do sponsored videos and social media stuff. This is like 2013, so we're before we're influencer culture. I was so done. Yeah. And I'm even talking about companies who were like, we'll fly you out, like $10,000, you put together something. And I'm just like... I don't I, like I know it sounds crazy to hear someone say they're not interested. I was so burned out and just not wanting to do that work. Yeah. And I think there just comes a point. And, and this also happened when I started my how to get sponsorships course. I sold that course for two years. And by the end of it, I just didn't want to sell that or course public anymore. Speaking. Yeah. I mean, I just think we go through ebbs and flows as business owners and as human beings yeah. where we think that we have to get on this path and that's the path for the rest of our life. And it's not. All it is is a path to the next phase of your yep. life. Yeah, I the practical answer for this, not to go back to what I was saying before about like evaluating ideas based on time, money and how much you enjoy it, but I always think in terms of like not a pros and cons list but like a matrix, right? Yeah. So I just uh, think of this thing that you're that you don't love that someone's paying you for and ask yourself, how much financial leverage is it bringing you how much are you getting paid and how much do you not enjoy it yeah and so there has to be an evaluation there of going if i put those two things on a balance what weighs more to me yeah and so go back and listen to our longevity versus legacy episode podcast episode because this is the exact thing that we did a whole episode on which is what happens when you have projects that you love your legacy projects we call them and things that bring your business sustainable revenue your longevity projects and how do you balance those two and so sometimes it's a dance between the two sometimes it's like jason in jason's case you couldn't have paid him enough money to keep nope. doing those things because the level of i hate this was so high yep. that that was winning the balance um other times you know that you have to maybe do something that you don't love doing because it's going to give you three months of financial leverage like take on a client i don't love to give me the financial leverage to then do that project in three months that i really want to do yep so it's all just a balancing game. And I really think sometimes writing it down like that and picturing it as like a scale and just going, is yeah. my dislike of this thing outweighing or is the financial leverage it gives me more important? And I think sometimes it's it's just really important to sit down and go, this isn't the work that I want to be doing now. And I'm not going to be doing this work forever. Yeah. And just acknowledge that. Like, I think so often we don't even acknowledge that, but just to know this is a stepping stone to get me to the next place. And maybe I don't even know what that place is yet, but I just know that this isn't permanent. And so I'm okay with doing this for, I'm going to commit me the next year or two years, and then I can move to something else in that time. Now, on the other hand there, so I would listen to what Jason just said and feel if that resonates with you. On the other hand, 
if something is bringing you quite a bit of money, but you're dreading it, you're, you're, you hate waking up to work on that project. People are telling you that this is a lucrative uh, thing to work on, but you just feel it in your bones that this is like not the direction you want to be going in. Also have the courage to say, I'm putting F it all it. in Bitcoin <laughs> and just saying, I, I no, this, yeah. this is draining my soul. And so if that resonates with you, if that feels like more of what your situation is, then give yourself the permission to let go of that revenue stream and make it up somewhere else. And you just got to decide which one feels more true to you. And right we now. talk about it all the time. Quitting is not failing. It's just making space for something else. Yep. Okay, last one. We're going back to Katie. Katie Z. And we didn't forget her. We didn't forget her. She said, What business skills in this is the last question, by the way. Okay. What business skills in each other do you admire? Uh, Any irks about how the other does a certain business thing? We could talk about irks for days. No, but let's start with the sweet ones. What business qualities do you admire in the other person? Would you like to go first or Jack me to go first? Let's just, not all everybody at once. Yeah, I mean, I think the easy one for me is just your design and brand and creativity, like all of that wrapped into one. It's it's just awesome that we basically have a full time designer who's not only can do branding and logos and everything else, but can also do UI and UX now and can make uh, illustrations that like work for all the different things that we want to do to like have like whimsy and uniqueness to all the products and just to have all that wrapped up in one person is incredible. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I really love that one of your best business qualities is that you don't get overwhelmed by things. You are very good at breaking big things into small things and it just like never even phases you. Um, And so that really kind of goes on the same – oops, hit the mic. That really goes on the same line of thinking here of just you're good at the practical stuff. Yeah. Like you're so good at saying – and you you never need to be reminded of things. Like you just always (laughs) do things – and I don't even need a notion system. You to really do it. don't. Like yeah. that's the crazy part is you don't even need the system, but I make you use it anyway. That's probably yeah. one of your irks is like I'm so <laughs> so dedicated to processes that I get really mad when you don't do the process. Yeah. But yeah, no, the fact that you're so practical, the fact that you are sort of the one that doesn't get overwhelmed because yeah. I think we need that in our team. And I think that's why we make such a good team, right? Like if we were both the super creative person. Yeah. There would be friction when it came to, hey, like we got all these things we have to do. Like, are you going to take the charge? Am I going to take charge? Like, who's going to do that? It's like, no, we just know I'm going to take charge and making sure we're not overwhelmed. And I'll give us a thing to do to figure that out. You know, it's really helpful that sure, I just I just me. realized is like, okay, in that example, let's say like I'm the creative one and you're the practical one or whatever. Well, that is the example. That is the example. <laughs> but what's funny about it, about that is it's not that we're so far into both of those corners that we can't. Right. Dabble. So I think that's what makes it work is that you're a very creative person, even if you don't have all the design skills that I have, because I've, I mean, skills specifically in like programs, because you haven't kept up with it, but like, you know, what looks good. You know how much time it takes to create things. You're so good at coming up with creative ideas. So it's like, you can speak the language and same with me. That's not my, you know, the practical stuff, the breaking down into tasks, isn't my natural language, but I don't have an aversion to being organized. Like I'm organized enough that and actually I'm probably over-organized now because I'm so disorganized by nature, but um, it allows us to speak each other's languages, which yeah. I think really helps. Yeah, and I think like a practical tip, because we just naturally have given a practical tip in almost every single one of these question responses, is if you're someone who works as a solopreneur by yourself and you're looking to find someone that you can do some accountability with and find an accountability buddy, 
don't find someone who has the exact same skill set right. as you. And I know that that might be difficult because you surround yourself with maybe you're a designer and lots of other designers or you're a, you know, I don't know, digital planner and you want to find yourself with other digital planners. But try and find the designer who is more practical than you are or the digital planner creator who is, you know, whatever that difference is, because then you'll be able to help each other as opposed to just like having the same exact things that you're going to work on. I have another one for you. Another what? Business quality. That's oh, really I thought good. you were going to go with an irk. No. We haven't even gotten I'm to the irks on, yet. I'm still feeling sweet. Okay. So you are one of the best I've ever seen at like community engagement. How and many have you seen though? A lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you're one of you. the, you're one of the best of my husbands at <laughs> community engagement. Well, you do have like three of those. So well, they're somewhere yeah. around here, but like the, the level of detail that you remember about our members that you care, that you, um, I mean, it helps that you do the check-ins every Monday with our members, accountability check-ins and stuff. So you're kind of in the trenches with them of what they're working on. But I think it's also part of it is that I'm so due to my sensitive nature. I get very drained very easily with energy. It's not that I don't care. I care deeply, but you're just, you never get tired. You never get tired of connecting with people. You always remember what they've told you. It's incredible. Well, thank you. I do get tired. You know this every Monday at like three o'clock because I do all the momentum Monday check-ins with all of our Waymers and we have one like one-on-one accountability and stuff. And that's just something that I do. That's a part of Wondering Gameplay. It's only a $10,000 per month upcharge. It's not. Um, (laughs) But you know this about me that I've had this quirky superpower where like I can just remember things about people yeah, from like the live chat live video days that I used to do yeah. like it would be like oh there's Joby from you know he- here and then there's this person from here like I just would know something about these people yeah. even like the guy that you were DMing before we got you remember on him. I remember just how to spell his last name and he didn't have it wasn't like his last name was Smith yeah like it was like a weird last name and it just for some reason that's stuck in my mind and those types of things do. And I'm very grateful for that because running a community, it's so helpful to not like, yeah, I have a database of our customers and like things and I keep notes, but thankfully I just remember them. Yeah. And it's so a great, it's great. I think people can feel that when they like talk to you. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I feel very grateful that I have the ability to do that because it does make me feel good when like a KDZ, I can be like, Hey, How's your backyard oasis coming along? Like she's putting a backyard oasis together, and you'd be like, "Oh, like he remembered that." We you know, put Katie and, on blast for backyard oasis. I mean, that thing is sweet. That she got some great. zen vibes. That little river in the back mm. is nice. Uh, all right, uh, so that was all of our questions. Those were some great questions. We really oh, appreciate it. We didn't it. even do irks though. Oh, you want to get some irks? I don't know. Do you? Well, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, let's uh, have a fight. <laughs> your desk, your, the status of your desk at all times. Yeah. You know what? I, you know what the thing is for me. So. The, maybe this will be a time for us to change it. It's chords. I know. Chords are visual clutter have, in my brain. I understand. Can we have this fight right like now? I can, yeah, sure. I can actually handle the cups. You can. The pens. Mm-hmm. The notebooks. It's the cords. The containers. The 16 vessels of things you're drinking out of. The, the hair, hair dryer. dryer. <laughs> yeah, that's over there. Yeah. Uh, I can handle all that. Yeah, I keep it it's in here. It's the cords. Yeah. That something in my brain sees cords and it does. It, it, it does not like. It does not like. And if, if there was one thing that we could like. I know, but here's the thing. I've yeah, tried. Yeah. Yeah. And I love you. Yeah. And I don't want you to be annoyed by those chords. Right. I want you to have a Zen garden in your brain. Thank I you. do. Yeah. But but do you, but <laughs> also I have needs. Yeah. And when we remember when we got the standing desk and you were like, the chords are really gonna bother me. And I was like, okay, I'll really try to when I'm not using them, wrap them up and put them in this specific place. Yeah. And I have tried to get better at that. What you need to understand is that at any given moment, do you know how many times I change chords and plug stuff in throughout well, the day? Yeah. 
10, so 10 here's times. So here's what we need. I'm not going to, I'm not hey, going to, hey. it's really affecting me. <laughs> no, I'm not going to wrap it need. up every You time. need another cord box on that desk is what we need. And we just need no, to. No, but even if there was a cord box, it's the same thing, babe. I would have to roll it up every time no, no, no. I use it. You wouldn't have to because what we do is we plug the cord into the wall. Oh, you the run it up. Box. The cord box that sits on top of your desk that hides the cords. Okay, then let's work on getting a cord let's box. Let's do a cord box. Because that that actually, I mean, there's this scenario that's going on under here, which I'm contributing to a little bit with our oh, podcast recording. A little bit. The, all, all of that. It's one cord. It's one cord. Well, it's what? the hair dryer <laughs> and it's the Diva Cup light. <laughs> Guys, if you know what a diva cup is, then you you laugh at that. Our we have a ring light for re- recording videos, and it's called the diva ring light. Yeah, but Jason I, first has a diva cup, and I don't even think he knows what a diva cup is. It's a menstruation cup, in case anyone's wondering. Gen, I have a gen, general idea. You yeah. almost said vagina. <laughs> no, I, I said almost said a genuine idea, oh. which is not true at all. Well, it's kind of all cool. right. So those are my Eric's cords, and maybe we can solve it. What are that your Eric's about me? First of all, that's not even really about that what are my business irks one of them is that you don't you don't do the processes i spend all this work like organizing things and being like we'll be so efficient if we do this on a regular basis and then you'll be like i'm gonna write the sales emails in my notes app and i'm like (laughs) excuse me excuse me we pay for this notion app and i it's the only thing that keeps me organized can you please put the sales emails in the beautiful project that i just spent my entire sunday trying to like (laughs) formulate yeah yeah but here's the thing when it comes to those specific uh examples uh like a, a thing I'm so efficient at getting it done in my notes app or like That's in this fine. case in, in Google Docs. Like I can get those emails written, nine emails in two hours. I'm not asking you to write it in Notion. No, I know. Put it there. That's your job. No, it's not <laughs> my job. I, it irks me that you want me to use your productivity I know system. it does, but guess what? I'm the head of systems. Yes, you are. And I'm you. You are. this is going to be reflected in your quarterly performance review. That's okay. I'm actually willing to take a pay cut at this point. <laughs> as long as I <laughs> Do don't use, use the system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that irks me. I think that's good on Eric. I mean, we could, if you do, you have more Ericks you want to share? Well, nothing that I comes can't, to mind off the top either. of my head. Your socks were a big Eric for me, but we rectified those, and now you have socks. People were horrified. I need you to know they were. They so many DMs, so many DMs of people laughing. Yeah, so many one DM of someone being like, "Oh, me too," and yeah, I was yeah. like, "Cool, cool, cool," and then. 10 dms of people being like this is serial killer behavior thank you this thank is you bad. thank you it's not okay to see multiple toes it's okay I to see even... a hey it's okay to see a patch of skin under the bottom the of a pad. sock because sometimes you just like oh i didn't yeah. know that was there like it's just a small hole you could see a patch of skin no no you had toes dangling out of your socks <laughs> dangling you had dangling old toes. dangling toes that's yeah. what they call me all right let's get into some movies uh we do classic movie night every saturday last episode two episodes ago uh we asked you guys if you want us to keep doing it yeah we got a pretty good response so we, we're gonna keep doing it and actually had we only gotten this one response uh i didn't ask them if i could share their name so i'm not gonna say who it was but they said they've started doing a classic movie night yep. based on our movie and recommendations. And that makes it all worth and it. And I'm like, okay, that's it. We're going to keep doing it just so that they have yeah. – I can't stop. We can't stop because can't they won't stop. know what to watch. Also, my brother has now joined in, which is yeah. cute. It so is just so cute. This is our way of connecting. We find this to be our favorite like 
time together as a couple. Quality time, marriage time. Some people it's like, oh, the hot sex. And some people are like, oh, it's a great meal. We're like two movies back to back Saturday nights. And we want them to be pretty me- mediocre on the movie <laughs> exactly. uh, quality. Yeah. Like if they're 30% or lower on Rotten That's Tomatoes. That's our sweet spot. We are super in love. That's our sweet spot. Above that? Nah, it's okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Speaking of Sly Stallone, this past weekend, we realized that we watched Jurassic Park many months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely forgot that there was J2 and J3. Yeah. Yeah. So we... Those are not their names, by the way. They're not their names at all. Uh, So Jurassic... Also, wouldn't it be JP2 and JP3? Sure. But in our house, it's just J2. J2. It's like D2, Mighty Ducks. Exactly. So (laughs) Jurassic Park, The Lost World was the second one? Yeah. To be perfectly accurate, it's actually The Lost World, Jurassic Park. Okay, great. And the reason I know that is because in the trivia, they said they were just going to name the movie The Lost World, but there's like another book or something by that name, and they were worried people were going to get... Confused. super confused also the name jurassic park is fantastic yeah so yeah. they were like let's just tack on which i think is really funny that you would think it would be jurassic park the lost world which right. is how it goes now it's like you do the franchise name and then you yes. do the sequel name yeah and they went with the lost world jurassic park guys did, did you not know about avengers like avengers infinity war exactly. avengers endgame see how well they did you guys should have copied that see that's where they 30 went years str- ago astray. come on guys so jurassic park 2 j2 yeah and then Sylvester Stallone in Daylight. Daylight. So these were our two movies. We kicked it off. We actually meant to start with Daylight, but for some reason we sat down and started with J2. So we started with J2. Uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. I refuse to call it The Lost World Jurassic Park. It is by all stretch, not a good movie. Not a great movie. Okay. Compare it to the first Jurassic Park. No, no, no. Compare it to the first one. Jurassic Park, the first one, is the OG, and it is a great movie. I think it's 90-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a great movie. Deserve it of that score. This movie feels like the over-commercialized, over-cash-cow like version of the first movie, where the writing is just like cheesy. It's very... It does this pet peeve thing that Jason and I have, where within the first like couple of minutes they do like an expository plot thing where they're trying to like shoehorn the plot the plot explanation into a scene where they're like well you know for the past three years we've been building this thing and blah 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 and now and like they just go on and on and you're like okay so that's the whole movie you just explained to me and you're like you would never say that also tell me the one thing that if you took out of this movie it would not be worth watching this movie like what's the one thing in this movie that makes it worth watching the one thing in this movie that makes it worth watching is I'll give you a hint if you need a hint. Yeah. It's the one person. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Jeff Zaddy. Goldblum. Yeah. yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, if no. You, if you plucked... The reason I was confused is because he is the star of the movie. No, totally. But it, yes, he is for sure. But I'm just saying and obviously if you took the main character out of a movie it would be very different. <laughs> but I just mean like so you can every agree. redeeming part but I don't think of Jeff Goldblum as like the face of Jurassic Park. No, but this movie he was. This movie for sure. But what I'm saying is if yeah, you plucked true, him true, out true. of this movie, the movie is worthless. Yeah. It, as opposed to like I don't know, Jurassic I just, Park. Okay, Hold on. I disagree. If you take him out of Jurassic Park, it, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It doesn't matter. No, but I disagree with you because remember I came I came to a, a, dis, a, a different feeling at the end of this movie. Of J2? The, of J2. Yeah. First half of J2, very disappointed. I'll yes. tell you why. The plot, the... Expository nature. Expository nature, the cheesiness factor feeling. Like, there's a couple kind of, like, wink-to-camera kind of yeah. feeling plot li- or lines of dialogue. Yeah. But 
I will say the action sequences. Oh, sure. I don't even consider myself an action junkie, but like the whole, the trailer cliff moment, there was like so many. Yeah. yeah. I just, so by the end of it, I just mean like I was very well entertained, but I don't think you could get through the first half of the movie without Zaddy, which is Jeff Goldblum's Nick Lane. You You couldn't. Yeah. So, uh, would you recommend people to watch Jurassic Park, The Lost World? Yeah, I think yeah. if you like um, action movies and you enjoy Jurassic Park, J1. As, as opposed, or not as opposed, as with most movies that we recommend in Classic Movie Nights, we're not recommending them because they are a great Good piece movie. of cinema. Exactly. We are recommending them because for two hours, you're going to sit down and be able to sit with your significant other or text someone that you're watching this with and yeah. just be like, this is ridiculous. Yes, yes, yes. Why is this happening? Why are they winking to the camera? Why is this lighting so awful? It's like a soap opera sequence I'm yeah. watching right now. Yeah. Uh, also, these dinosaurs look really good for the year of this movie. I mean, uh, at times. Oh, yeah. Remember all of her like candy wrappers? You're like, why is she eating like oh, that? Why is she leaving her candy wrappers this, everywhere? This drove me insane. All of my fellow the daughter. OCD Enneagram 8s. Anytime she was eating anything, there just was food everywhere. She would leave like, like all over the floor. Like, I'm like, who? why are why are there graham crackers in your sleeping bag, ma'am? Like it's just everywhere. This is no. Yeah, you need to be parented more. <laughs> yeah, that's what needs to happen. So, but man, yeah, I was and so also, glad we watched it. I, I called it at the beginning of the movie. I was like, isn't this one where a dinosaur ends up like in the U.S. In and the it, city? And I you mean, were like, alert? you're like, no, I think that's in the third. Well, I mean, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> it's and, been quite a while. And we both were like, oh no, maybe that's the third one. And then sure enough. It was, and it's too. because that entire sequence feels like it could have been an entirely different exactly. movie. Exactly, yeah. and I read in the trivia that Steven Spielberg actually considered making that sequence a, an entirely different movie, but then he decided he didn't want to film another Jurassic Park, so he really wanted to cram it in the same yeah. movie. And, and he did. And he you did. can feel and that he it, did. it feels like a totally different yeah. movie, but still a very entertaining movie. So definitely yep. watch J two. Also, um, Vince Vaughn is a, yeah, a character. Completely forgot. And then also, um, Toby from the West Wing. I don't know his the actor's Was name. Was that Eddie? Eddie, yeah. The guy who... Yeah. 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 I don't know his real name, but to me, he's Toby from The West Wing. Okay, and yeah. Eddie he, is the character name in, in the movie. Yeah, and he's in a lot of stuff, and he's a great actor and very, yeah. like, natural on camera. And yeah. he... So it was a great little cast. And Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore um, was great. Yeah. Which we also found out she took this movie to pay off a divorce settlement. Anyway. The things you find off in the, tri- trivia. in the trivia. That goes back to legacy versus longevity. Yeah. That was a longevity project. Sure she was. said, I need to get my cash. Yeah. I need to pay off this divorce settlement so I can go make my cool movies. And also this movie cost what? Like $70 million to make. And it made what, like eight hundred million oh, or something lot. like that. Yeah, six hundred yeah. or something. That's gonna make sense in a second. Okay. Second movie. Daylight. What have you learned about daylight? No, no, no. About classic movie night. What oh, is something that has oh, come to light? Guys, I my name is Caroline. Yes. And I am a Sylvester Stallone fan. Wow. Sly. Wow. 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 I have fought this for so long because I think I put him in the same category as JCVD. Right. And so I just always thought, like, Sly, these are bad the, action movies. This is movies. not for me. Yeah. Like, he's not a good yeah. actor, whatever. No, no, no. Wow. There's something about him. The isn't gravitas that? Yeah, yeah. that he brings to a role. Yeah. The intensity with which he delivers his action sequences. Absolutely. He's not a bad actor. No, not at all. So this movie, Daylight, um, you may not have heard of it. We we definitely both saw it, but we didn't remember much of it at all. Yeah. It takes place in a tunnel in New York. I can't remember. Lincoln Tunnel, maybe? I can't remember which I tunnel I think it was it a fake tunnel. Was it just a fake tunnel? Yeah. Anyway, it takes place in Manhattan. It's a tunnel that connects Manhattan to New Jersey. And 
something happens mm. and our buddy Sly ends up having to go in the tunnel and rescue people who are in the tunnel. Yep. And this is the entire premise of the movie is how can you do that? But there are some plot twists along the mm. way. Mm. What is Sly's backstory? You find that out. Latura. Also, what a weird name for a character. What? Kit Latura. Kit. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, if you're named Kit out there, like definitely let me know. But I just thought that was a very unique choice for a yeah. main character of Sly Stallone was Kit Latura. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't know many Kits. Don't know if that has any, kits. any type of like, you know, in his life, there was someone he was honoring. Like we didn't get to that in the trivia or find that out, yeah. but it was weird. Uh, so this movie, a great movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, this movie actually, I think, came out the year after J2, which is kind of funny because they were like yeah, right around each other. They were around each other. It's, I mean, again, not great writing. No. But, but the, just the the action sequences, the journey that you go on, there's so many characters yeah. to enjoy the, you know. A relatively diverse cast, which we were surprised about. Relatively. Looking back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but like for that time. For that time, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Uh, I mean, we've definitely watched movies from that time where you're like, no, nothing. Okay, not a single other person. Yeah, but wait. Yeah, think about Let's it. Let's not like, give credit where it's not due. No, the the police officer, the George. woman who's in the control room. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm just saying in the context of movies of I that know, time. I know, but let's not let's not give them. Yeah, because then you're thinking, oh, what are who but are then the, also the, the convicts? Exactly. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah. only yeah. other characters of color are the inmates. That's so, true. So exactly, we're not going to give credit where it is not due, and we gave credit and then we took it away. We took so it away. What it, it was two knots equal a yes. So now that you think about it, it's pretty standard operating procedure Dang for it. the mostly white Hollywood of the 1990s, and that still persists to this day. God, they get that's how they get you. That is you. Th- remember, that really you is. literally got trapped. You said, well, yeah, it was pretty diverse. Wow. And then you you actually think about it and you're like, no, it was not. Okay. Well, the good thing is that there's nothing in this movie that's problematic. So that's not nice. that we can remember. That, yeah. Like, you know, overtly where you're like, oh, that doesn't hold up. So that's good. Uh, so anyway, the special effects of this movie hit or miss at certain times. Like yeah. there's a couple things where you're like, whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the reason why that's interesting is this movie cost $10 million more than J2. Guys, what? This movie, Did they Daylight, it on? $80 million, which I think we found out what, like 15 of that was to Sly. 17. Which was worth 17, it. Which was worth I mean, it. The Gravitas, I'm telling was you. Was worth it. And this movie, it ended up making, I think, like $100 million or something like that. Like, yeah, it, no, it, yeah, it was like 120 or something. Yeah. Like they made, sure, they made millions in profit. But it's but so not interesting the... that it cost more than Jurassic Park yeah. 2 and it made not that very much but money. But you guys, like Sly, it just, he's so... so... We've got a lot of Sly movies. Now, we can skip all the Rambo movies. I don't care at all for you to watch those. I don't care at all. I'm just saying that. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) But what I do care is... Rocky, like a couple. I don't even need I you to watch, watch all one them. Rocky. Rocky Four. That's all I care about. Rocky okay, Four is the one I want Rocky you to watch. Four. And then when you watch that one, you can be like, all right, maybe but I could stomach it all another fighting? one. Isn't fighting? I really don't. No, know. it's absolutely not really? all fighting. Most of it is Rocky working out to fight. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of training montages. Okay, I'm super into fitness lately. So I maybe know you this are. Could, like, get I know me you going. Are. Also, just Dolph Lundgren is like the physical specimen of a human in this movie. Like when you see him in this movie, you're gonna be like, that is what a like perfectly fit human when you can think of like not not to say that this is what people should aspire to or not i'm just saying like when you think of that you're like yep okay that is what a human that's what that looks like i'll 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 give it 
athleticism. We'll go ahead and that. Yeah, it's yeah, not like for sure. it's not, not like a what perfect you specimen like. of a body. It's just like this is a very athletic human being. Exactly. Okay. For like a movie character, you're just like, okay, he nailed it. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're gonna cue that up and then we'll look into Sly's uh canon of work mm-hmm. and we'll see if we can find any other daylight esque gems. Cause yeah, I'm, because I'm actually fairly certain there are some other gems. Right. And yeah. the reason I've come to this conclusion is Cliffhanger, if you were listening to that yeah. episode, and Daylight Now. Yeah. And I fully, fully going into both, I'm like, I am not going to like and this. And they are both great. And they are both just delightful. Classic movie night greats. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. That's our classic movie nights. We hope you enjoy those. For those of you who are watching classic movies with us, feel free to tell us what movies you're watching. We've probably watched them because we are just two years into this almost now. And we're always taking obscure uh, suggestions yes. because we are getting to the bottom of the barrel. Well, I mean, we, that's what we think. We're but. moving on to Sly. So, you know, we're <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Lots of good business stuff in here. Hopefully those questions were helpful. Some practical advice thrown in. 